Hello and welcome to episode 253 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Joining me as always is the splendid League Freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going pretty well, Andrew, the real deal Ferguson. Uh, how are you been? Smooth sailor, my friend. I've actually been outside of the uh, 25k radius and it looked oh, glorious. Nice, nice. The, um, uh, it would look even better when I got to go out of the state and into a proper state, but uh, we'll see. That, yeah, we're working on that one. You're in, uh, what do you call it, a state of confusion at the moment. It's called Victoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. West, <laughs> West Germany. West Germany. Come <laughs> on. West Germany wasn't that bad. Um, <laughs> should we thank our wonderful sponsor for this podcast over the last couple of months, really? I think that's a splendid idea. Let's do that. You know... Sometimes in life, you have problems, and problems always need good solutions. And if you've got really, really hairy genitals, one of those solutions is Manscaped.com. If you go to Manscaped.com and put in our exclusive code, which is NRL, you get 20% off and free shipping of all of the best equipment money can buy in terms of manscaping, your genitalia. And that's what, like... What's that, 60% of life is about, really? At least. Yeah. So go there. I recommend the Lawnmower 3.0. It's waterproof. It holds a great charger. Actually, it's got a rechargeable stand, has a light on it, has ceramic blades. It'll get the job done every time. You'll get compliments on how your man stuff looks. People will be like, wow, really, really got your act together. You'll be like... That's right, boss, I do. So go to manscaped.com and put in that code NRL. 20% off, free shipping. You get a 30-day money-back guarantee, and they ship all over the world. You can't ask for more than that. You really can't. Do you reckon the NRL would invest in it? If they were smart, they would. They would. There are worse things you could invest in than something from Manscaped. Maybe we should talk about some of the worst options today. Well... I'm going to read. Um, I'm going to read directly from the article. It was in the Australian on the weekend. Okay, by Brent Reed. This one. Brent Reed uh, has said that the, there's been a rumor doing the rounds for a while now that there are people within the NRL and ARL Commission who would be interested in buying a stake or the entirety of England Super League if the opportunity arose. Uh, Brent Reed was told that the commission has asked an investment firm to look into it for them. The idea that they would take control of the two major rugby league competitions in the world and use their expertise to help Super League shake off their financial shackles that have been that have hampered the code in England. The commission could then ensure the game continues to grow globally and have a say in the makeup of Super League in terms of the nations re- represented. Money, whether the NRL can afford it and whether it would be worthwhile, will eventually dictate whether it is realistic. It's interesting. It's the first time we've seen anything in terms of the NRL actually has looked into this. Other than stuff that we've suggested that they could probably consider. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, Before we get into it, can I just say, do you think Brent Reed listens to the podcast? Oh, 100%. Not, yeah. by the way. Hey, Reedy, how you doing? Yeah, mate. Manscape yourself, man. Yeah, yeah, go to manscaped.com. 20% NRL is your code. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting that, They've looked into it, that they've got an investment firm, as I said, to to look into this um, possibility. It, I think that the, the NRL would only do it if certain conditions were met. They definitely wouldn't be looking at Super League as it is right now 
as what they want the product to be, I think that they would say, look, we'll buy into it, but we want some immediate changes. And we'll talk about what we think those changes are today. Absolutely. Um, I think the first thing they would be looking at overall is, well, obviously the first thing to look at is making sure that this thing turns a profit for them. That's it. They yeah. don't, they're not going to be looking for a huge profit because I think even the NRL will be realistic and say, look, we know we're not going to get a huge profit out of this. If we can get a profit of even a dollar, mm. you know, we're not costing ourselves money. And their first goal would be to make sure they set up a salary cap that functions similar to the one in the NRL whereby the players get paid, which would take a burden off the clubs. It really would. Was, I think... I think the main thing with that, though, is that their salary cap would drop immediately over there to something sustainable. Oh, it'd have to be. Mm. And the other thing is, it would drop to something sustainable that would actually help the lower clubs compete with the higher clubs. And the Mm -hmm. the higher clubs would have to start cutting players so that they would fit under the cap. Mm -hmm. So that that redistribution of talent would help to make the competition more even, more Mm. unpredictable as to who's going to be the premier which is going to help with getting more eyeballs on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, something else I think the NRL will be looking at doing, which will be a hard sell in the UK, but mm-hmm. definitely needs to happen, is completely dicking the um, promotion relegation system. Yeah, that would end. That would have to end. Um, that It would just be... It's it's such a terrible system. It undermines the competition so badly, undermines clubs, um, and it sets up a really unhealthy setup for everyone from top to bottom. Um, and I think between those two teams getting the costs under control in terms of how much uh, teams are allowed to spend on players and then making sure that teams know there is no, you know, there's no trap door that you're going to fall out for, you know, if you have a bad season or two. I think they're the two main things they would want and then they would actually get into the real uh, difficult phase of it, which I think is where they would want teams to be based, who they want in their competition that they now own and who they don't want. Can I put forward a suggestion there? Yeah. And it's going to seem ridiculous at first. Okay. Because one thing we've talked about an awful lot is how England needs to expand its borders further, and it should be able to do it given that it's so close to a lot of Europe. Yeah. But I think first up to try and keep costs down a little bit is they should consider having a 16-team comp, Mm -hmm. and half the competition is made up of teams that currently exist. So, And I'd say four teams from Yorkshire, four teams from Lancashire, and then open slather for the other eight teams. That way you're not dragging along the worst teams everywhere possible. You're going to have, you know, eight teams that are from Heartland areas, mm-hmm. which is what the NRL's got. They've got a bunch of teams from, from Sydney, the Heartland area, and Brisbane mm-hmm. that they've started up there. But then it opens up the door for another eight teams, the other half of the competition to come from anywhere. And I'm looking at Toronto, Ottawa, New York, Catalan, Toulouse. Yeah, there's five. You start looking around the rest of Europe, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, wherever you want. Mm-hmm. But you've got eight eight other spots to plug there. And every club's going to know that with, you know, if they get the approval and get the nod there, they're not at a risk of going back down to championship. They're staying in Super League. I, you know what? I hadn't thought of that. My, my thought was that the NRL would definitely want more teams in the competition. I think they would want enough teams in the competition that they could have a full home and away season 
and it be a, a long season. I think they would be willing to have a much longer season in Super League than we have in the NRL. Um, and I, I don't think that's a problem. I, I think that that's something that English fans are used to and English clubs are used to. Um, you, I don't think you could have a you know a 22-round competition in England. I think that would be ridiculous. Um, the idea of having different divisions and having, say, the teams from Yorkshire and Lancashire in one division and then another division with the expansion clubs, I haven't thought of that before. That's a really good idea. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm saying I'm not surprised that you you're saying it's a good idea. Mm. I think because when you consider that there's there's been a core number of teams that have been consistently in Super League and not really a threat of dropping out for a while now. Yeah. To me, if you if you're going to take over, then you've got to start with those teams that have consistently been there because they've proven that they are viable, mm-hmm. and you don't need to put in much effort there. And that's the core of your new comp. And you can build your competition around that lot because that's where the majority of your fans are. That's what the majority of the TV money is, is tuning in to watch, I guess, at that stage too because they're always there. So you work from there and you expand out from there. And then, you know, you could look at every five, ten years, something like that. You mm-hmm. could look at doing a promotion relegation then if you wanted to. If a team in, <laughs> in championship is proven that they're absolutely dominating that competition year in, year out, and they just... They need to move up. And all oh, there's a team in Super League that's just dead in the ass the whole time. Mm-hmm. Switch them around. But put in a, a process in place saying, right, you have to do this in order to prove that you deserve to come up to Super League. Yeah. Uh, or you have to be failing at all of these levels to prove that you don't deserve to be here anymore. So everyone's got a marker that they need to meet. So that you can you can still sort of have promotion and relegation, but the fear of being cut is not hanging over your head like an axe the whole time. It's it's something that you can get away from if you just change change an owner, change a few business practices, have one decent season here and there, you know, instead of just thinking, right, we're going to go spend all our money on one year and hope it works and then coast and hope we get through the next year. And, you know, the current system is really diabolical for the teams that are midfield and lower field. It really is. Um yeah, look, it it would definitely cut costs doing it that way with two divisions. Um, it'll be interesting to see how English fans uh, took that on board. It'll be interesting to see what they want, what the broadcasters would want. I wonder how they would react to having two divisions in Super League, um, especially ones that are completely divided like that in terms of the clubs that are, you know, from what we would normally call the heartlands uh, versus clubs that are expansion clubs alone. Um, You know, look, it's, it's not the worst idea. I can think of way worse ideas, but I think that one thing that, that, that idea does is it says, look, this is the, the cap on the teams that we're going to have that are currently where Super League is based, and we're going to have a cutoff point there. After that, we are looking at the business side of it. We're looking at expansion, and we're looking towards the future. And I think that that's something that, I mean, it's something that English Rugby League has needed for 40 years now. Absolutely. And the thing is, this is a system I'd have in place purely at the starting point. Mm -hmm. If if finances aren't improving after five years... Mm. If it's not turning a profit after five years, then yeah, you've got to start looking at those teams that are all in there and say, right, now, history, legacy, all of that's out the window. Just mm-hmm. like they did in 97, 98, 99 over here. Mm-hmm. 
We need to look at what's working as a business. And if you don't work as a business, you're gone. Yeah, and I like one of the things that would be really interesting to see is how they reacted to the salary cap being pulled way back. Because I remember in Australia, I mean, the, a lot of English fans probably don't remember this. We were where our clubs were running on a shoestring budget for a long time because that's all the the game was making. Mm. The game was owned owned by media companies, and the media companies weren't going to charge themselves heaps of money to broadcast the game. So they always undersold the NRL to themselves, funnily enough. And it meant that the NRL salary cap was very, very low. And, and the NRL, Yeah, it really was. And the NRL clubs, they had to just stick with it because spending more than, than that was just going to see the competition run broke. And I think that that's what we've got a problem with in Super League is that the, the business model is just not sustainable. And we're seeing that in terms of people are expecting the the broadcasting rights to be cut right back. We're seeing, uh, you know, the, the advertising money coming into the game is just, you know, it's bottomed out. It's terrible. They're giving away things now. And it's become a regular occurrence. So that's terrible. And something needs to change. And I think that with the NRL coming in without any baggage and because they've bought into it as a business, I think that it would be something that would be very hard to argue with if they said, look, we've got to cut these number of teams out or we've got to bring in clubs from these locations to make this a viable competition and a viable um, investment. Otherwise, the alternative is Super League looks to a future of semi-professionalism, which it's at now. I mean, there's players right now that are, you know, the minimum wage was scrapped. So it's a semi-professional competition now, but the next step is for everyone to have a, you know, a job during the week. Don't want that to happen. No, and shouldn't be going to that either. No. Um, yeah, the... I think the the one thing that the NRL is going to try and do in order to make this work, mm-hmm. and it was going to come down to TV rights deals, and they know they're not going to get much of much of the... TV broadcasting rights in the UK mm-hmm. just by selling Super League on its own. But if they're selling a package that is the Super League and the NRL together, that's something that Sky might be interested in. And mm-hmm. it's something that Fox over here would be interested in because mm-hmm. both could have 24-7 NRL channel just on one channel, play the whole lot. You get both competitions, both sides of the world. They may not be able to double the... Um, you know, they won't get, they won't even get close to equaling what they're getting on TV rights deals now in Australia. Mm-hmm. But they should be able to get a hell of a lot more than what the Super League's currently getting for its TV rights deals in England. You would think so, and, yeah. and especially being able to say, "Look, we're Super League, and not only do you get uh, the content that we've got, which is locally relevant, but you get this overseas content from the National Rugby League." That would be massive for them yeah. to be able to package that together, and also like. You know, state of origin as well. You'd probably throw that in. You would um, definitely international footy. Well, international football. I I have a feeling that that's controlled by the International Rugby League, and they get the money for that, and it's split between the host nations of the game or the the, the two nations that are playing. So is, I don't but, know. So no, you're definitely absolutely right there. But I dare say it's something that the NRL would be um, 
he could probably dominate the conversation with our international rugby league about that when it comes to England, Australia, New Zealand games. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like they probably, they could probably just say, look, at the end of every year, other than in a World Cup year, we will have a tri series or a quad series, a quad nation series, France, Australia, England, New Zealand. Right? That way you get two teams in the Southern Hemisphere, two teams in the Northern Hemisphere. Mm. We're going to run it. We'll get the the International Rugby League to say, yes, this is a um, legitimate official competition, and we'll televise it. That'll be your jewel in the crown at the end of the year. You'll get that international games as well. Mm-hmm. That would be out. That'll work. Um, and that would be the mindset behind it. And then I suppose the other one would just be, um, obviously, digital networking. Yeah, I mean, ha- having owning two properties like that would be really interesting to see how they brought them together. I, I also wonder if it would bring up the prospect of if you've got Super League under the NRL banner overall or the Australian Rugby League banner, whatever way you want to put it, you might and they've got a set system in place where, you know, players are getting minimum wage. They're, we know what the salary cap is. It's properly policed. There's, there's standards in terms of how clubs are run financially, how they're run in terms of, you know, player training and, and coaching and things like that. I wonder if it sets up the possibility where you could see the winner of Super League coming in as a ninth team or the top two teams in Super League that maybe the grand finalists coming into the NRL as teams nine and 10 in the NRL final series. Because, and that would be just something extra the NRL could do. They own both competitions and it would be something that would bring, you know, to bring interest from broadcasters, I'm sure of it, from both sides of the world. Yeah, you could do. Mm. Is bring the NRL clubs into the Challenge Cup. Well, yeah, and I, look, I've written about this before, where even if it was just late in the Challenge Cup, where maybe it was NRL teams who didn't make the final series or something, maybe the ninth place team in the NRL goes straight into the quarterfinals or something like that. You know, and all of this would take a lot of change in terms of how the calendar is over in the UK. But all of this now is gets to be on the table because it's all run by the same company. Yeah, that's right. And when you start mixing the two competitions together, um, as we've seen when when the Warriors came in and the Broncos as well when they came in and the and the and the sorry the Giants slash Seagulls slash Chargers whatever the hell they became, mm-hmm. um, when you brought in teams from those new expansion markets. It didn't take long for those areas to have the quality of their play improve yeah, yeah. pretty rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we saw it in New Zealand. They were ambling along as the third best nation in the world in the you know late 90s, early – sorry, late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. But it didn't take long after the Warriors came along that their standards started to lift. Yeah. And in 10 years, they won the World Cup. Mm-hmm. doesn't take much. And no, so if you and, start mixing the two codes together, yeah, you, you start to lift the the quality of the play in England, and that's only a good thing for international rugby league because then you know that then lifts France along because they're in the comp with them as well. You know, Canada will start to you know if they can start getting a few local players in there, start to bring them along, and you know, everyone's starting to rise to the, at the same time. It's just good for international football. 
Yeah, well, like you look at the Catalan Dragons just the last couple of years, like they've been pretty bloody solid in Super League. Mm. Um, and they were only going to get better. Like they're, I think it's now pretty well established that, you know, if you're taking, the, say, the top five teams in Super League, one of them has to be the Catalan Dragons. Absolutely. So it it's interesting to see where they are. And, you know, if you could get a second French team in the competition, in, in your new competition even look to get a third team. Like, I think because the NRL would be looking at this as a business from their standpoint, it, they'd be able to go in and say, look, all, all your feelings and stuff, all your history and stuff, we don't care about that. We've come in, we've got a plan to inject money into the game, inject money into clubs. We want the competition to be better overall and take it or leave it. Because, you know, we'll be fine. The NRL is always going to be fine. But this is maybe a chance for Super League to allow an outside an outside owner to come in and make the difficult decisions that nobody has made for 40 years. Exactly. And look, one great idea would be, as you know, what you hinted on there, is France has three teams in there. Because then you could have two French teams playing across at least two days every week. Mm-hmm. And three days most weekends. Yeah, and uh, like I think that a lot of the decisions on a, a lot of the decisions, not all of them, will, will be made on what they want out of broadcasters and where yeah. they can get the money in. And like, so for instance, you might see four French teams in, and people might be saying, "Well, how the hell are they going to manage that?" Because there's really only two French teams that are geared up and ready to go for Super League, or, you know, and I'm talking about the Catalan Dragons and Toulouse. Toulouse is, like, ready to rock and roll. But the NRL might say, yeah, that's fine. We want four We want four teams, and we're going to fund it. Yeah. You know, and because the salary cap would be lower, it's not going to take as much money. It might take, you know, half as much money as an NRL club takes. Exactly. And if you've got four teams there, I said three or four teams there, um, that that's enough to dangle a carrot in front of a French broadcaster and say, look, you're going to have two, three French games on every day of the weekend, like one on Friday, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. Yeah, you, I think... You'll be able to dangle that carrot and get a TV deal in France as well out of that. Yeah. The other thing you might see too is you might see Super League uh, switch to what we kind of see in uh, the Premier League in terms of you can have games pretty much every day of the week. And, like, I think everything would be on the table. I think that the if the NRL looked at this from the point of view of, like, clean slate to start with, and what do we want from a Northern Hemisphere club competition that just that will also have a bit of a base that's ready to go. Um, and, and that could be exciting. They need to make sure that they don't get stuck in the politics of English rugby league, though, and that's going to be the difficult thing. And we'll talk about yeah. that, you know, in this episode. Well, that's right. I think because I think the one thing that the uh, where the policy is going to come up is about which teams get included. Because mm-hmm. um, the other thing would be too that instead of creating a whole heap of new teams in England, they need to move some. Like for example, Southford has to become Manchester. Uh, that you know what. It's interesting you bring that up because that would be one of the first things I'd say. And I have a feeling that, look, Salford changed their name when the, when uh, Kokash come in and he said, we're changing back to the old name, and fans loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was so brilliant. I brought the bloody 
website address. <laughs> but I think that if the NRL is coming in and saying, we're going to invest in all of these clubs, Salford, you can either, you know, be one of the edge teams or you can be the Manchester Red Devils. Which one would you rather be? I'm pretty sure that Salford would say, we'll be the Manchester Red Devils. Yeah, lock us like, in. You, you can sit there and, and scrap to stay as Salford mm-hmm. or you can be locked in as the Manchester team. Yep, because I can tell you, as a Penrith Panthers fan, if that option was put to my team and somebody said, listen, you can be the Penrith Panthers and maybe make it, or lock you in and be the Sydney Panthers, I'd say, where's my Sydney Panthers jersey? <laughs> that's you know? right. You want your team. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's all they'd be doing is uh, they could still play out of the same stadium. Well, you can move them to another stadium, it doesn't matter. They're going to have to be called Manchester. They're going to have to be... Yeah, completely representative of Manchester, not Salford. Yeah, and look, I think that there'll be things like what we saw after the Super League war over here, uh, minimum standards for stadiums that the NRL would bring into Super League. Um, They'd obviously get costs under control. The policing of the salary cap would just be ramped up to a huge level. Um, You know, a lot of basic stuff that the NRL put in place early on and stuff that, you know, rugby league in Australia is is really renowned for, you know. It, it's And it's stuff that Super League and English Rugby League has not had before in a lot of cases. So that would be interesting. But, yeah, I agree with you. There would be name changes. Um, it would be interesting to see which teams were willing to move and which teams weren't willing to move and who makes it and who doesn't. Um, I think that... You know, we're obviously going to have a look at the the teams that we think the NRL would want in, the teams that we think they'd want from expansion markets. People are going to get upset by the stuff we say, but I I think that that's the sort of attitude that the NRL would come in with, and it's it would be a take it or leave it thing. It's like, well, if you don't want the money, you don't want the injection of funds, you don't want the you know the most profitable rugby competition on planet Earth to come in and, and sort your lot out, that's fine. We'll go away and see how things go. We'll take because, money with us. Yeah, exactly, because I think that uh, the alternative is the Rugby Football Union do it down the track. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, I mean, you've mentioned it before, but they need to have a team in Birmingham. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's too big of a city to leave out. I, I fully agree. Um, we've mentioned Manchester. Um, probably need to have a team around uh, Newcastle. Yeah, I think they'd want a team in Newcastle. I th- I think that they'd want a team in London as well. Oh, definitely one in London. Mm. Um, one would be the minimum in London, to be honest. Yeah. I think that they, I think they'd sit down and they would really love Bradford back. I know Bradford is a, I mean the Bradford Bulls are basically dead. Let's be honest. You know, they're they're playing at friggin' Dewsbury. Yeah. But I think that the NRL would say, listen, there's a a city that knows rugby league that's got a brand that they know well and we would like to resurrect that brand. So I wouldn't be shocked if they said, you know, make a new club, call it the Bradford Bulls, start it over again and, and leave the mess behind that has been the Bradford Bulls over the last number of years. No, fully agree. That that makes complete sense to me. Um, where else would they need to get a team? 
you know, and you know what you and me have talked about so far is cities and we haven't talked about you know the history of clubs we haven't talked we haven't brought up one single you know town anything like that and i think this is the way the nrl would look at it you want the big media markets and that, that's where you've got to aim for can't rely on towns anymore that's right you've got to look at the the big markets you've got to go for where the big bunches of population is and you kind of want to try and get um teams and i know the nrl doesn't do this okay but you need to have teams from different corners of the nation mm-hmm. that's what i'm saying like you have the chunk of them along the m62 is that what it is yeah um which is where the majority of your team and your fans are you don't want to alienate them all because that is literally the heartland that's where the majority of your money and your fans are coming from but you've also got to move away from that in some sense because it's too condensed there mm-hmm. Definitely. pull a few teams away from there spread them out a little bit if sometimes you've got to relocate so be it they can keep their history they can keep their plan squad their colors everything like that just move them a little bit away into take them into a new area mm-hmm. um some might have to move a bit further than others mm-hmm. so be it if it means that they survive then that's something that we should be looking at and saying you know what we've kept this team alive in their history we just moved them somewhere else so that they can survive yeah continue on um and yeah they can do shit like the the dragons and the tigers do in the nrl where they play a bunch of games at their new venue and play a bunch of their old ones so you know they're appeasing both sets of fans you know appease them all but you know you're going to appeal to the majority of them you are and and look you know there'll be english fans that'll be very angry to hear all that if the st george dragons can merge any team can merge you know, if we can have foundation clubs like the Balmain Tigers and West uh, Western Suburbs Magpies merge, any any Super League team can merge if it means survival. Yeah. So, and that's the that's the thing that needs to be put to these clubs. Is say right, we need to see your bottom line. If you're making money, we will talk about you in the next step. If you're not making money, we've got one op- one. You know, we've got two options for you. One's going to be merge. The other one's going to be relocate. Or a third one is die. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I also wonder if because it would be under the NRL banner, and look, you might have the NRL say we're going to link up every NRL club with Super League club, and then they might be able to bring in some sort of contracting system where they say, so, and I'll use Penrith as an example, Penrith say, look, we've got Matt Burton, and he's a first grade five-eighth, and we haven't got a spot open in first grade right now. He then is able to go onto a Super League contract that is still controlled by the Panthers, where he's under basically under contract with the Panthers, but he then gets allocated to a Super League club, and obviously this is something he would sign up to. You know, yeah, it'd be like it's, a feeder club for Penrith. So yeah, yeah, but it at a be higher a level. Club. It wouldn't yeah. be a feeder club. It'd be a club that they're, they're married up with, so it's the only team that they will feed a player to, and vice versa. Yeah, and he gets to have a guaranteed, say, three-year deal. They might do it in blocks, I don't know. He Say he gets a three-year deal, he gets to play for his Super League club, he's still under contract for the Panthers, uh, but he gets to earn more than he would in the New South Wales Cup. He gets, you know, some level of experience at a higher level, and, you know, he can still go back to Penrith at the end of that contract, or even mid-contract. That might be something that they can bring players in and out of that contract slot for. There's all sorts of possibilities you know, it opens up. 
in, in that case, too, I mean, Penrith could probably still pay his salary, so it doesn't have to be a burden on the English side either. Yeah, 100%. So they've 100%. got all their salary cap available for other players, particularly English players. I mean, that's that's what we've got to be doing here is trying to get as many up-and-coming English players playing rugby league mm-hmm. and getting the quality of those players to be better and better and better, not slowly disintegrating and getting worse and going backwards and then getting to the point where they need to rely on tweaking of the international rules in order to get Australian players to play for them, which is the situation they're in now, which is absolutely dire for English Rugby League. It really is, and it's gross, and no one wants to see that happen. Um, it, they don't. We don't want to see it happen where... You know they're running out an English team and they're they're all singing "God Save the Queen" in an Aussie accent. It's friggin' ridiculous. Or they're, um, or they're singing "Advanced Australia Fair" when it's playing, <laughs> even though they're wearing a Great Britain jumper. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> th- look, and you've got to wonder how much. I mean, if you're in a, at a Super League club that's owned by an NRL club, or not even owned, it's linked up with or invested by an NRL club, and you know that you've got even if you break into that top 30 in an NRL side's opinion, you get a minimum contract in Australia of $100,000. Like, that's a minimum. Yeah. You know, right. it's it's a big incentive, and it might be something that will drive English Rugby League players to have more depth, be better overall. Because at the moment, if you're, you know, if you're a young bloke in English Rugby League, you've got to be a bloody good player before you, you, you know, are not a semi-professional it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, and you've got to do it quickly. Very quickly. Otherwise, it's like, you know, how many years can you devote to saying, I want to become a, a professional rugby league player in the UK before you just got to get a normal job? It's not exactly. very long. Exactly. So that's, you know, those are the key things. I mean, what other international markets should they be trying to get in there? If we're, well, we're going to have, say, eight, Eight or maybe even 10, 10, 12 teams from England. Yeah. And free up, you know, six, four to six teams from around the world, I guess, at least. Yeah. Look, I think I think they definitely want the two French teams, Catalans and Toulouse, and that's uh, that's easy. That's really yeah. easy. I think they'd want Toronto. I really do. Definitely. I, I think that, you know, you've got a foot in the North American market. It's a It'd be the biggest city in professional rugby league. Which is say something outside of London, it'd be, so it'd be the second biggest city. Um, there's too much. There's too many positives there to walk away from, and I think the NRL that'd be one of the first things they'd say is like, "Hey, we want to talk to the people that want to take over Toronto, and uh, see what they've got to say." And if they didn't, if they didn't go with that consortium. I think that they'd probably run it themselves on some level, like they did with the Storm, you know, for a very long time. Um, I, I think I wonder if they'd want a team in Paris again, because you know Super League used to have a team in Paris. They did Paris Saint Germain. Yeah, I I wonder if they would want that again. I kind of feel like they might. If, I think. I reckon be... if it's a third team, mm. I think that's a very very tempting opportunity. Mm. The other one that would be tempting to would be to have a team based. In the US, so you can have a US Canada, um, yeah, one or two clashes between those two teams every year. Yeah, and, and look at that. With that being a local journey, it's going to cut down on the travel cost. And I know it's only you know a couple of games a year, 
but it's still a couple of games a year where it cuts down on costs, you know. Exactly, exactly. Um, because all of this is going to be with an eye on the finances, and and that's a that's a big part of this. Um, so yeah, a North American team. I don't know where you'd base that team. I don't know if you go with New York or you look for something new. If you look for an established team, someone like I mean the Philadelphia fight for a very long time or a one of the top clubs in in the US. Um, would, a, would a team in say um, Denver or Chicago be more more fitting, or maybe one in Texas? Look, I, I don't know. I think you'd have to talk with. I would talk with the people that were in uh, rugby league over there. To be honest with you, and I'd say, look, where I it could because I don't know much about where the rugby strongholds are over there. I'd have a look at that. Um, I'd, I'd, you know, tap into the local knowledge. I really would. I think that you could make a really poor decision by just putting a pin down and saying, we want a team here. Yeah. And, it, and not having the support of the local rugby league community. And they've got their own community that is, uh, it's its own thing. And it has been for a very long time. And, and so I would tap into that and see what they had to say about it. I'd look at the markets that are available. Um, but, I, yeah, I think t- two teams in North America would be great. Toronto and a, a US team would be perfect. So Even, we- and you know what? I think it say, – say the NRL invested next year. I, I wouldn't be – Was the, is that thunder? Yeah, we're finally getting a thunderstorm here. Wow, that's some loud thunder. Um yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if they said we're going to hold off on the two North American teams for until say 2023 or something like that. Yeah. No, I think that that probably makes sense to be honest. Um, just to try and keep the cost down and I suppose get the, the U S and the, um, the Canada teams, I guess proven that they're, they're worthwhile and viable again after all this drama that's gone on there. Yeah, and get through um, the COVID period as well. Yeah. I suppose find find genuine owners with mm-hmm. shit tons of cash. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be the, the key point. Because uh, the support's there, especially for the Canada team. The support's there. That's not a problem. I wonder if they would look at a team in uh, Barcelona. Yeah, that's, that's another team that would be worthwhile definitely um, looking into. Mm-hmm. Um, because they'd have a natural rivalry with the Catalan Dragons, just for yeah. being locals, absolutely for the Catalan region. Sure. Um, and it, you know, once again, it's it's it would cut down on those travel costs too, which would be fantastic for the competition. I'll tell you what I'd do is I'd I'd start getting club teams from all of the European comps that are going on, mm. and just get the Premier from each one of those comps to be involved in one part of the Challenge Cup for a few years. Oh, yeah, that would be great. That would be fantastic. And that would be a great way of getting them to help build their quality up a little bit as well. Yeah. Get a bit of eyeballs on their game and tell them all, there's always going to be an opportunity for one of you to make it to Super League. Mm-hmm. you just got to keep getting better. And we've talked about the Challenge Cup has needed modernised for a very long time. It's been yes. dying for a long time. At the moment, it's just a bunch of pub teams fighting for one another for a little while until they, you know, get smashed by some 
pro or semi-pro team. And then, and then we end up with just Super League teams playing each other in the end. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it deserves more than that. It's one of our greatest competitions in this game. Um, you know, it, and if you added all of that together with maybe the ninth place NRL team comes in in the quarters or the semis or whatever, it makes it a competition where it's been a, a pure knockout competition. Makes it interesting. Makes it something that you're like, oh, I wonder how they go, you know? Yeah, I'll tell you what, what I'd do is I'd just have a random draw mm-hmm. of any of the final nine teams. Sorry, bottom bottom eight teams in the NRL. Just, oh, really? So a random to any of the, like a... Uh, just pull so one out of a hat. Yeah, yeah. There we go. That That's team's it. now going over to England. Yeah. And you're going to play for the Challenge Cup. Oh, man, it'd be so exciting to see that happen. Oh, hell yeah. Can you, I wonder what the TV because because it's at a pretty good time for Australia the final Challenge Cup finals. Mm. Um, I bet then you TV, start getting all those Australian eyes on it. Yeah, the TV ratings over here I think it'd be not too bad. Well, it'd be better than what they're currently getting. Yeah, which is none. <laughs> <laughs> and look, this gets me to the to my next point, and that is uh, sponsorship because that's something that the Super League has been. Let's be honest completely shithouse at. And so yeah, the, the NRL's never really had too much of a drama with, despite some of the dramas that they've had with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, they've never had an issue getting a, a top-quality, high-paying um, sponsor for the game, and, and minor sponsors as well. Um, and that's going to help an awful lot, because at the moment, Super League's given that shit away because they can't find anyone to pay for it after they pretty much pissed on their own feet when they gave it away to Stobart. That became yeah. the new marketing point. The next, the next company to come along that they approached to be the uh, the naming rights sponsor for the competition said, "All right, let's start it free and work our way from there." Exactly. Exactly. You, you've got no bargaining point. You've got nothing to work from, and that's been the consistent issue that they've had. Um, exactly. So the NRL can come in and say, "Right, all that shit from the Super League is gone now. They're not running the game anymore. We are, mm-hmm. and this is how we do things." Mm-hmm. And that's what's got to happen. You also got to wonder how, you, you know, there's betting is very big. The betting uh, advertising is very big in the NRL. You got to wonder what sort of deals they can set up because most of our betting companies are now are owned by European betting companies. Yeah. Um, that once they they took those regulations off of the Australian betting companies from having to be owned in Australia by Australian companies, they, but the English and, and European companies just took them over in a space of about six months. Um, imagine the deals you can do for both competitions by saying, hey, we've got these two professional rugby league competitions that are in Australia and the UK and France and North America. What type of deal can we do with something like that? I'm mm-hmm. sure those betting companies would love, absolutely love, that it's sort of exposure. Falling over their feet. Really would be. Um, you know, and it's deals like that which will inject not only money into the Australian Rugby League, but so much more money into the to the Super League as well. Yeah, and because there's so many um, sports betting agencies out there, and it's not just the ones you think of, like Ladbrokes, sports bet, those sort of things. You've also got things like um, DraftKings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these sort of uh, th- those sort of fantasy sports things that are, are now going big, especially in the US, yeah. uh, they're also taking off over in the UK as well. They would jump on board because they are making good coin. 
Well, you even just think about like, ha- like having the ability to go to companies like that and saying we're looking to have you. We need somebody that can come on board and who wants the user base of the Australian rugby league fans and the European rugby league fans and some North American rugby league fans and some French rugby league fans to run our official fantasy rugby league competitions. Like there's so many giant deals you could do that even if super league's just getting a small percentage and their fair percentage, like not being undercut and the money going straight to Australia, just their fair percentage but because they're hooked on to the bigger deal that the NRL can do because of the Australian competition, it can only be a positive thing for Super League clubs. Of course. I mean, I look, DraftKings, I brought that up because they regularly have competitions run, you know, not sometimes weekly, but not always every week, where the first first place winner in that competition mm. wins a million dollars US. Mm-hmm. They've got coin, and if you if you throw that out there, as you know, we're going to make you our official um, fantasy sports partner, and this is what people can win. They can win like say five hundred thousand pounds or something like that every week if you're the mm-hmm. best. Of, he's not going to get involved in that. Exactly. How about like, I mean, if you get a betting company that takes over as the official betting partner of the NRL and Super League, how much do they put on the line if you get? every winner from both competitions, mm. you know, like there's so many things that can be done. Uh, it's, it's really exciting to think about, but it all comes down to a, a base level of the NRL comes in and says, we need certain markers to be hit with any competition that we buy into. And I think that that's where the expansion clubs come into it. That's where the cities in the UK come into it. That's where, you're going to have to see some teams move. You're going to see some teams that are retained. You're going to see some teams that their names might change. But if it's all for a positive effect on the other end of it, and it sees the competition get bigger, stronger, more money brought into it, I can't see a downside to that. No. And I just want to point out, too, that we're not sitting here promoting gambling either. <laughs> I, no. <laughs> I, I don't engage in it. But it's just, it's just oh, an what? example as to one of the markets out there where the industry would be keen to dump a shit ton of money into the game, at, you know, on a whim. Yeah. Because, you know, the fan base is just spread so far, and a lot of it does have people who don't mind throwing a few coins around on betting on games and stuff. Yeah, yeah, so It's just a a cornered market, you know, and that's what you want when you're going to sponsor something. You want a cornered market who you can appeal to, know that you're probably going to get a return on that as well. Um, and the more likely they are to give you that return, the more likely they are to part with their cash and fund the fund the game. Definitely. And, and like, there's the other deals you could look at. I mean, can you imagine if game one of the State of Origin series was played at Wembley, you know, yeah. and it all of the the hurdles you, that you might encounter are out the way because the NRL runs rugby league over in the UK. Mm. Um, look, I've said for, for a long time now, I think the um, NRL should run rugby league in New Zealand. I think it'd be great for New Zealand rugby league if it ran everything over there, especially for their junior development and their, their junior levels of the game over there. Um you know, and this would be the if this is the first step they wanted to take, there are massive opportunities there for the NRL. But 
the much, much bigger opportunities there for Super League and the clubs that go through, you know, the clubs that are part of that new Super League competition. And some of them are going to be left by the wayside. Like, there's just no doubt about that. But if they're big enough and they can show that they're a level above champ- the championship, the English championship, the NRL would be silly not to look at them. And that's the thing is that you say, right, we're going to have, say, four spots available for teams who are, you know, for the English-based teams to relocate. And if you decide you want to relocate and or merge and or relocate and merge, we will guarantee you a spot in the Super League. Yeah. And these yeah. are the areas that we want you to, to relocate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and they could they might even throw in, like, we'll, we'll, we'll help you out financially, help you keep going for a little. I might even give you a cash injection to start with. Yeah. yeah. Something like that is a bit of a carrot to, to do that sort of thing. Because um, condensing that competition is something that needs to be done. There's too many clubs and not enough money going around. So you're just going to have this situation where they're eating one another. So do you think the ideal number for a Super League competition is 16? I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could probably have a second grade competition be the... It could be the championship, uh, championship, and it would be 16 clubs as well. But that would be it. I wouldn't have a League One. So I just have 32, 32 teams, 16 pro teams, 16 semi-pro teams. Semi-pro teams. Now, would you have the the level underneath Super League, would you have that as their feeder competition like we see with the yeah. New South Wales and Queensland Cup? Absolutely. I Every single think. one of those cha- championship teams would be a feeder team to a Super League side. Yes. So the idea would be then to, if you've got if you've got three French teams, then you'd need to have, in, in a perfect world, you'd need to have three French teams in championship. Mm-hmm. So you've got a pathway going from youngsters right through to the Super League. Now, and you, you want to build that in, and you want to make sure you want, I'd have some strict things in there for the championship teams. Like, so if we've got a Toronto mm-hmm. team in Super League, I want another Canadian team in championship, mm-hmm. and they need to have at least half their squad have to be Canadian players. Yeah. You know, we want to make sure there's a pathway going on there. And you don't, you don't put in straight away, but you say, this is what your goal needs to be, okay? We're going to set it at, say, <clears throat> you know, five players in the first year, eight the second year, 12 the next, so on and so forth, till you get to the set number you want. So that I, would way be, I would be even happy with if they said for, and, and it's difficult because you don't want to, you don't want to hurt the expansion clubs by putting um, minimum standards for local players on them that sees them running out players that aren't of Super League standard. No, no, right? I'm, talking, I'm talking about championship. I'm talking about Super League. Super in the, League can the, do what they want. Yeah. But I'm just saying for the championship, for the feeder ones, yeah, they need to be having local talent coming through. Okay, because <clears throat> eventually, what you what you expect is that they would get up to to English rugby league standards. Mm-hmm. They might be good enough to get to force their way into the Super League comp. And once that happens, you start lifting the quality of the of the player around the world. Yeah, and like those, those I think you could make the championship a really important competition for. <clears throat> northern uh or the northern hemisphere rugby league mm. because you would say you might see because look england's player pool is not really very good at all at the moment it's pretty poor actually and they could look to start bringing in players from other parts of the world in, in a similar way we've seen the new south wales and queensland cup do that over a very long time now <clears throat> um 
and and that would help those players from different parts of the world step up their level of play and that you know you can get picked for international teams out of that level mm. no I fully agree that's the uh oops <laughs> are you all right yeah yeah i was um i plugged my uh phone in to charge it up and i've Put the wrong cable in there. It's going, why is that not charging up? Okay, yeah, that happens. That happens. Light just went off on it going, battery's low. Yeah, no, that, that's what's got to happen. I think, too, you don't need to have an English an English club feeding into a Super League English club. So if we've got a team in Newcastle, you can have a – their feeder team can be a Scottish team. Yeah, yeah, from you a know. different area, yeah. Look, I, I wouldn't have a problem if – to cut costs, I wouldn't have a problem if the, say, Toronto's – local sides played in a North American competition only, like if they weren't part of the championship. But then you're going to have championship teams that don't have a Super League outlet, which is a bit of a problem. But I'm sure there's ways around it. I'm sure there's ways that you can fix that up. And, you know, you might be able to have teams have deals with a couple of different teams. It's not ideal, but it, it may allow cost to be lower because like I would like to see the French teams I, I'd want their players to stay in France you know well yeah um, but so what, I, mean, I suppose a workaround could be if you for every for every local talent that you bring through mm. say 50% of their salary is included in the salary cap yeah so you've got a bit more cap space you can either pay those players a bit more mm-hmm. or you can use that cap space to buy someone else yeah, yeah. And that's a way to keep your local talent. Yeah. And keep them local. Yeah, that's a good idea. There's just so many opportunities you could do with with Super League if you started with that clean slate. And I think that it would be important for the NRL to, and I don't think they would, it get caught in that same trap that happened when Super League started over in the UK where it was like, oh, we've got all these big ideas and give us all this money and stuff. And the money was just pissed away on a lot of clubs that don't even exist anymore. And the game didn't move a single inch. You know, it, it was really, really terrible well, what happened. They, they forced a bunch of mergers from memory, most of which did not stick. Oh, they dissolved and, really quick. And turned it yeah. up to either being complete failures and both clubs dying or one club taking over the other. And then, you know, like, Huddersfield and Sheffield, I think, merged. And then Huddersfield took them over completely, and then Sheffield came back anyway on their own right. And you just went, what was the point of that? Exactly. We all know about the Gates Hole Thundersharks, you know? (laughs) There's a whole load of things that happened around that time with Super League, and I just think the NRL couldn't stand for it. And that's why I wonder if you you were the NRL, and, and look, it's going to be difficult with most Super League clubs, but it would be an ideal scenario if NRL clubs owned a piece of each Super League club. But I can see where some club owners would not want that to happen. And I understand that completely. Like if I own Wigan or I own St. Helens, if I own Leeds, you know, I'm saying to myself, well, why would I why would I give up a, a share of ownership to an NRL team when I can do it myself? Um and look, there's positives and negatives on both sides. Well, but I you can could say to those teams, what you could do is you could buy an NRL team. 
I don't think they could afford a fraction of an hour. I don't think a lot of these owners in Super League could afford to buy a ticket to a <laughs> State of Origin game, quite honestly. I mean, Manly and the West Tigers would be cheap. You reckon? I mean, Manly, Manly doesn't even have chairs. Yeah, that's a good The West point. Tigers don't even have a home ground. Maybe the owner could play uh, 5 for the West Tigers next year. Or hooker. Yeah. It's available. Actually, if there's one thing I know about the West Tigers, they desperately need wingers and nothing else. And nothing else. <laughs> um, they've also been um, quite vocal about the players they haven't signed so far. Yeah, they haven't signed a lot of really good players that have had no contact with them and don't want to play for them yep. at all. I've, I've got it on the... Um... I've got it on the download, mate, mm. that they haven't signed. And this is going to come out tomorrow. They have not signed Payne Haas. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. You can take that to the bank. Wow. I've heard that uh, Nathan Cleary, nothing to do with the West Tigers at all. Yeah, they've definitely – I know for certain they've definitely not signed him. Yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll be announcing that too during the week. I also know – oh, man, I was, wasn't supposed to say this. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to say it anyway. Cameron Smith, if he doesn't play for the next year, he has to play for the Storm. Poor bastard. It's just you know, you heard it here first. Heard it first. Um, speaking of uh, Melbourne Storm hookers not playing for the West Tigers anymore. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I'm only reading the headline here, by the way, people on the NRL website. Apparently, Harry Grant went from being on his deathbed to playing for the Maroons. Really? <laughs> Harry Grant? He probably had measles or something like that when he was what 12. What was Harry Grant on his deathbed for? I don't know. Fighting his way back from the brink. What? <sighs> what did I say? He probably had measles when he was 12. Here we go. His son had nearly died as a 12-year-old after a staff inspection. You were d- That's 10 was- years ago. Holy crap. That's the... Joe Gould, how dare you? That's that's bad. That's <laughs> it's like. Oh. At what point are they going to say, "Man, play X Y Z"? Could have could have died at childbirth. It's like really. It's like yeah, he could have. Technically, nothing was wrong. He was you know born perfectly fine. Nothing happened, but it was touch and go there. Yeah, during the birth, you like know. The- the chances, the mortality rate of children at that, at that age was around about like 2%. He could have very easily been in that 2%. Exactly. Someone had to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's um, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I predicted that before reading it. Yeah, um, that's, it shows what level uh, some of the writing in rugby league is at right now. Exactly. Now, also, Josh Adokar is still going to be Sydney-bound in 2022. Mm-hmm. But the Tigers are now looking at Josh Mansour, um because, you know, the Tigers' problem all year was their defence in the middle, so Wings will help fix that. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Mansour will, you know, he's a good signing for them, but uh, the West Tigers, is there a worse run team in the NRL right now? No. And there Dead has been a while. And you, you know the worst, and I don't need to tell you this, I know that, but they're embarrassing. They they're are. Abs- like, they're coming out with stuff that is no one's thinking about, and they're embarrassing themselves as a club. It's as terrible. I said, 
as I've said before, their recruitment policy is, are you off contract? Yes. Has anyone come to approach you? No. Okay, we'll buy you. Yeah. And like, and then the coach says, what'd you buy this guy for? He was available. We don't need him. Yeah. Yeah. We've got him now. (laughs) When did the West Tigers like recruit players like every other club, like the, the season leading in, not, the, the fucking weeks leading into training for the new year. And it's picking off randoms. Yeah, like, oh, man, Saw's available. Let's get him. Yeah. Like, why? You don't need a winger. Wingers are pretty easy to get. Wingers are easy to come by, yeah. especially I mean, for a Western like, Sydney club. It's almost like they've forgotten that Paul Momorowski's coming back and he can play on the wing. He's also a goal kicker. Yeah. You've got Nofaluma on the other wing. Mm. Moses and Bai was he's the captain, so they're going to put him in the run-on side somewhere, and it's most likely going to be at centre. Yep. You got Dewey who can play at centre. He's going to be at fullback. You've got, uh, you know, Lua at the other centre. Why, why are we buying another NRL quality winger for? But you get the feeling like if it wasn't Mansour, if it had have been some random second rower or some random I don't know fullback or whatever, they would have signed them, and it's like. They're not signing for need. They're not signing for planning for the future or anything. They're just picking up whoever turns up on the market. It, yeah. Like in the the off-season market when it's the poor buggers that get let go like me and Saw. That's exactly right. It's like let's just throw out an option to every single player out there and see who, see who comes back with a yes. Exactly. And then we'll sort out the salary cap later on. So then we'll have to go and sack a whole heap of people that we actually do need so we can fit in all these players that we don't need. It's it's terrible. I, I said during the, I said during the week, like Tigers fans deserve so much better, and their club is so poorly run that you know they're a laughing stock at the moment, and they're just getting worse. Like that's the thing on the field, they're just going to be worse and worse as time goes on. I think what they're doing is they're playing for that that all important market of being everyone's second favorite team, <laughs> yeah. and. The reason being, and I've, I've held this, this belief for a while, mm-hmm. and I haven't found anyone that can prove me wrong, mm. is that a team, you know, a fan's second favourite team is always a team they're not threatened by. Yes. So for a long time, before this sort of stuff, a lot of people would have had the Sharks as being their second team because they never won a premiership, so no one was threatened by them. Yep. But they won a premiership, everyone hates them. Tigers, though, they jag a premiership, and that was proved by the fact they couldn't even make the finals the following years afterwards, mm-hmm. everyone's second favourite team because they're not a threat. Well, you look at the way that people looked at the Panthers, it's like, oh, they're a young team. They're an up-and-coming team. They're, they're, I love watching them. I love their style of play. As soon as they started stringing wings together, people started hating their guts. Yeah, they made the grand final. We don't like them anymore. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Tigers, mate, they're not a threat, so everyone's second favourite team now. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's an all-important market that they're playing for. I don't know why. Who wants to be second favourite? Exactly. That just means you're not the favourite. Exactly. Well, you know what? This is where this shows you the difference between Australian rugby league fans and English fans. Because if you go by that, then Warrington would be everyone's second favourite team. Speaking of, wasn't it? um, Wasn't it typical to see them choking in the uh, the finals? Yeah, yeah, it was. I saw it a week earlier than usual. They did. They did. They did pretty well in that regard. Uh, interesting finals coming up. A, a lot of people are, I, I know you said it before, the podcast. I've seen a lot of people on 
on Twitter talking about it. If we ended up with the grand final between Hull FC, which is my team, and the Catalan Dragons, it would be really nice to see a new premier uh, named in Super League for the first time in forever. And you were actually looking up some stats and stuff before the yeah. game. So I was, I was trying to find out the Football. last time we had a grand final in England mm. that didn't involve either Wigan, St. Helens, or Leeds. Mm-hmm. And I'm fairly confident it was 1989-90 mm. when Witness beat Bradford. It's crazy. It's stupid. Mm. So I'm going for Hull FC. I'm going for Catalans. Um, and because I've got a soft spot for French rugby league, I'll be going for Catalans to win the premiership. Sorry, mate. No, look, I look <laughs> as a Hull FC supporter, I would love to see them win a grand final. I watched them in person at the grand final in 2006. It was an amazing experience. But, oh man, there'd be something really satisfying this year in particular when Super League officials did what they did to the Toronto Wolfpack and circled the wagons up in northern England for the Catalan Dragons to then win the premiership. It would be it'd be it'd be kind of like a big FU to everyone in Super League. And I think it would be uh, a really good sign for rugby league in France. Especially what two years after the, uh, the Catalan Dragons won the Challenge Cup? Yeah, yeah. And then they had to pay to be in, to, to oh. defend their title the following year. How outrageous was that? <laughs> what a, this is just disgusting. Small-minded football competition. Really, really was. And look, that's why that's something that you would hope the NRL steps in and just gets rid of all that sort of bullshit. So let's get to the final part of this whole story. Okay. An investment firm is looking at it to see whether it would be viable. Yes. Do you think they're going to find that it would be a viable situation in the current situation of the game in England? No, not even close. No. Yeah. The only way it's going to work is if they can get a TV rights deal that's going to work. And I don't think any TV company in England right now is going to pay squat for rugby league. doesn't matter who's playing. The only TV rights deal that will matter will be whether they can get more money out of Fox and or Nine to show Super League games. So I, I think that um, I don't think it'll be enough to make up the gap. Yeah, look, I I I have a feeling if the NRL is employed a company to look at this an investment firm, I think that investment firm will actually be talking to Sky and saying, "Look, what would you be interested in?" And they'll find out from Sky. I think they'd talk to potential uh potential advertisers um but i think as as super league currently stands right now i i I don't i think they'd come back and say we had a look at the figures on super league right now and they were laughable and i don't think it would go anywhere um i think that the nrl would be more likely to be able to start its own competition in the Northern Hemisphere from scratch and invite like teams to that and be able to make that viable rather than dealing with the current Super League structure and, you know, the teams that are involved in it. No, I fully agree. I think that's pretty much sums up how I feel about it. I think short term, there's no investment opportunities whatsoever that are viable. Mm-hmm. Long term, there possibly would be, but... As we went through for an hour, there's an awful lot that's got to be done there. Um, 
And the biggest part of that is going to be changing the perspective and the mindsets of the small but parochial fan base that the English Rugby League has got right now. Yeah, because the, clubs, the, give, them, and we've clubs seen, give those people a lot of a lot of say. Like we saw it with Swinton. Yeah, and I was just about to say Swinton. Like Swinton was the the Swinton decision was the epitome of where English rugby league is right now, unfortunately, where it's like I mean, the poor people that were trying to make those changes at the clubs ended up getting death threats and things like that. Yeah, and all they were trying to do was make the club more viable, more financially successful and stronger so that they had a future. Yeah. And the fan base went, ah, we'd rather it die than it goes and become Manchester. And so it'll happen. And then they'll bitch and moan, oh, we should have gone and done this when we had the chance. It's too fucking late now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sad. It's really, really sad. Because you want all of the, like, in a perfect world, every single one of these clubs survives. And yeah. the expansion and the moves into big cities, it funds the ability for small towns to still be able to be in the big competition, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, it, you know, Super League has chosen a different path. It's a path that will lead to the game just slowly dying over there. And so if the NRL was able to come in and, and completely reverse them decisions and set it on a completely different course, it might be worth it. But as it currently stands, I really think that any investment firm would come back and they'd say, nah, not not even worth looking at again anytime soon. It's because the, the supporter base for the game is small over there mm. and knowing that you've got to make changes that's probably going to alienate, let's be honest, probably probably about 35 to 40% of that small fan base. That takes yeah. an awful lot of investment opportunities away. And you've got to build up a new fan base in, in markets that Rugby League has failed to even consider working towards in England for a long time. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean you look at... Look at somewhere like Birmingham that you and me have talked about. Nothing has ever happened there, ever. No, and it's taken, just down taken the road. The test like, match there, and that's it. Yeah, it's it's craziness that nothing has ever even been thought about in terms of club football establishing a, a you know a few clubs there. A few, you know, it's crazy to me. But um, yeah, it, it's it would be a big change. Um, I think that the good thing that would come out of an, any NRL um, investment and, and ownership of the Super League competition is that, you know, the NRL would be so removed from the criticism of the fans that, you know, were upset by the change that were made. And you don't want to see fans upset by something they love being changed so much, but the alternative is that it's, all this stuff's just going to wither, wither and die anyway, so... Something yeah. needs to happen, and if the NRL does it, it's great. If they find a way to establish, you know, something bigger and better, it's fantastic. But I do. I, I agree with you. I don't think that there's – I'd be disgusted, actually, if the NRL decided to start pouring money into what Super League currently is. And I want to make clear, too, I'm, when, we're not being flippant about this. You know, we've, we've often mocked the English rugby league, but this is a, a genuine, serious conversation. And to prove that, I mean, I used to support a foundation club in the Balmain Tigers. Mm. And I was not opposed to them merging with, with Western Suburbs and becoming the West Tigers because it meant I either had to 
find a new club to support, like completely brand new, that didn't represent the players or the team that I, I've always supported. Or I could continue having part of my team still alive in this merged entity. Mm-hmm. So it was somewhat kept alive. So, and the desire to have your old club return for for normal fans, it dissipates pretty quickly once you see your new team out there because you're going, oh, it's a bright new shiny team. They don't have a the track record of the last club, you know. You, so you can, you keep watching from a different perspective, a different set of eyes. You've got a new set of fans, um, you know, new junior bases that filling up your team. So you've got all these new players coming from all over the place, which you'd never really seen before. There's a lot of excitement that comes around with it. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the team I've often said about, you know, how pathetic they've, they've functioned, at least I've still got my team still there in some capacity. It's not yeah. like I'm a North Sydney fan. I've lost my team. I've been lost to the game completely. Yeah. And, and the still other, somewhat there. And it's too for even in its its biggest moments, the, organ, the organisation now that is the West Tigers is so much more massive than the Balmain Tigers or the Western Suburbs Magpies organisations at their, their highest peaks. Like, there's so much more infrastructure, so much more money involved in it. They're so much more financially viable. It, there's so many levels that are, you know, they're, they're just performing on a completely different level that, you know, if the, the Balmain Tigers or, or Western Suburbs were brought in right now tomorrow at their peak as an organisation, they they just could not compete in the NRL. They wouldn't be able to do it on any level. And, you know, I I, I was kind of lucky when the rationalisation happened in Australia in that, uh, my club was one of the biggest producers of talent. It was backed by the biggest leagues club chain in, in Australia. And so there were those two big things. And on top of that, you know, the supporter base was not too bad as well. And, and New Zealand were paying the bills. Well, that, you know, and that helped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it helped. All of it helped. Hmm. And we got in. And But, you know, it was luck that we had the biggest junior base. It was just... The luck of the draw, but yeah. just being on the edge of Sydney, like we're a Sydney-based club that is, you know, tens of kilometres away from the nearest one. Not, you know, not really any other NRL club can say that. So, oh, it, man, it was manly luck. Now, I guess. <laughs> well, it, you know, in Manly, I I counted it once. I think it's only something like sixteen kilometres from the SFS to Brookvale Oval. It takes you two and a half hours to do that drive. Mm-hmm. But still, um, you know, and I, you don't want to see any club fall, but, you know, seeing the Dragons go, seeing the Illawarra Steelers go. But, damn, it's at least Illawarra and, and Wollongong gets games. Yeah. You know, at least we see the Dragons still out there in some capacity. It's It sucks, but sometimes you've got to prepare for the future and, and change your... You know, sometimes you've got to change your history today. That's right. And rugby league's been all about change since day one. Mm-hmm. Why stop now? Yeah, exactly. So I reckon uh, I reckon it would be cool to see the NRL invest. I don't think they will, I, unfortunately. And it sucks. But if they do, man, the changes they'd want would be massive. Yeah, and they'd need to make them immediately, wide-ranging, fast, 
don't yeah. think they can. I don't think they can do any small stage steps because it'll just cost them too much money. Yeah, I agree. I it would be something like say they they announced it tomorrow. I think you would say next season we're running the competition as is, but the following year is going to be a completely new competition. Um, we're going to have these these teams involved. It's going to be over this length of time. The salary cap will be brought back to this level, and you've got a year to be ready for it. And if you're not ready for it, you, you know you're not part of the comp. And then say, so, you know, we want teams in these areas. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. So we're going to set up the junior, the the lower grade competition. Yeah. Challenge Cup, all that sort of stuff. Um. Yeah, I dare say, I dare say the game at the moment is in such a state where that the RFL would pretty much just welcome the NRL coming in, and because the RFL could just say, "Not our decision." Yeah, they, I they, I agree. They I can agree. come out of the whole thing as the good guy. So if if it goes a bit pear shaped somewhere, mm-hmm. the RFL can just say, "You know, we're the good guys here. We didn't issue any of this." Yeah, exactly. Oh, look, the the rugby football league would absolutely love for the Challenge Cup have some interest in Australia and have an NRL team involved in it. You yeah, know, maybe, we, maybe we could put our wooden spoon team in there. I, I think they'd walk in. Can you imagine the Bronx? Can you imagine Payne Haas and, you know, David Fafita and Stag and the likes of those players? Well, if it was if it was the... Um, who was that turn that was coaching? Oh, uh... <laughs> yeah. We've forgotten his name already. Oh, man, that's his name already. That's his name he was, but we've even forgotten who he is. Seabold. Seabold, that's it, yeah. If Anthony Seabold's still coaching, they'd lose anyway. Yeah, probably. He doesn't know how to coach a team to win in, in Queensland. Because remember, the only time they won a game was when he, when they all fucked off away from him and did their own shit. That was so weird. <laughs> week off. Don't, don't even come in. Don't worry. And they performed really, really well. Yep. So yeah, if he's, he's if he's coached there, then they won't win anything in the Challenge Cup. So that'd be good to good to see. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's pretty much it, is it? Is it yeah. Have you got any emails? Uh let me check out. Yeah. The website. Let's, let's do that. Because we want people to go to fergonthefreak dot com, go to the contact section, and that's where you ask any questions or anything you want said on the podcast, anything like that at all, no one's done it. No one's done it. No one. <sighs> Have we got any reviews? No, no reviews. I didn't check the reviews, actually. I just did. This has got oh. none on there. Okay. You know what we'll do? We'll, we'll do a episode maybe this week we can go through the comments on youtube and have a bit to say on what people have been saying on youtube that'd be good fun yeah well i think part of the part of that was going to be about us trying to remember what the hell we said yeah, <laughs> yeah we've said some things we've said some things <laughs> i can't remember them all no we do record at very late times at night half the time we're, we're talking on here with our eyes shut yeah, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. No. Um, I think that pretty much wraps it up then. Yeah, it's been a good episode. I've enjoyed it. It has. We've had a had a good purge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you want to purge the hair off your nuts, make sure you go to com. Exactly. You can purge your genitals of every single follicle of hair just by going to com. 
make sure you put in the code NRL. That's our exclusive code. It's only for our listeners. But you can give it to your friends too. Say, hey, go to this website, chuck in NRL, and you'll get 20% off and free shipping, 30-day money-back guarantee. Uh, what were we recommending to our listeners? Because we've got the perfect package 3.0, but there's a new one. There's a there's an upgraded one. An upgraded lawnmower? No, an upgraded package. Oh, yeah, they, had, they did have an upgraded package on there, which has got the, the weed whacker in there, I believe. Yeah, what was that one called? I that was the nose trimmer thing, the performance package. The performance that package, it? that's it. Yeah, 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 you're yeah. right. So the performance package, it's it's basically the the perfect package, except, as you say, it's got the nose clipper in it. I haven't tried the nose clipper yet. No, no. Um, it it does look like it's it's used for, it could probably be used for, you know, putting tech screws into your, your patio as well, so that's pretty good <laughs> cool. It does look like, you know what, it's because they're so well made. Like, Bloody oath. They're, they're so well made, they, they just, you know, they're robust. You get it and you're like, oh, this is a good bit of tech. It's pretty yeah. cool. So, yeah, get the performance package. That's the way to go. If you want to get the Rolls Royce of manscaping, you just get everything done then. You're sweet. You're sorted. Bloody oath. Yeah. And that, that performance package comes with the boxes as well. You get the Bore Preserver, the Bore Reviver. You get the paper there that all your um your ball hair goes onto. The magic mat. And you get the bag that it can, not not your ball bag, but you get uh you get the uh, toiletries bag that it all goes in and it's really nice. Looks yeah. really nice. And a pair of boxes, they're both free. Oh, the microfiber boxes I love. Yeah, anti chafing boxes. Yeah, and they 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 just feel so good. Like I didn't realise how good microfiber feels until yeah. I felt it against my smooth balls and that's 169.99 yeah. before the discount yeah whack on 20 percent off and free shipping boom and it's down to about 136 dollars or so yeah and you're sweet you're sorted you, like, you don't have hair to worry about no no that's pretty good that's pretty good and the weird whacker it's not just for the nostrils you can use it in your ears in your ears too if you've got a bit of uh bit of brussels sprouts coming out of the old ears yeah, yeah, That's... John Howard. If you're listening to this, man, yeah, mate, 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 you need dude. to get two of these. One, one for each side of your face. Wasn't going to say anything, but dude, man, you're just turning into a hair. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a tumbleweed. <laughs> it's just a tumbleweed with legs. Yeah, but man, come on. Who's mm, somebody in rugby league that could use the? Uh... A bit of you know trimming up like that, Gordon Tallis. Yeah, you reckon? Probably. Do you reckon Wayne Bennett? I reckon Wayne Bennett's got that sorted, hey? Yeah, I tell you, what, I wouldn't mind if uh, Matty Johns got the the weed whacker and put one in each ear and just left them on. <laughs> <laughs> just leave them in there. He'd no, be no, like, no, Matty, Matty, leave them there, mate. They're good. They're good. They're working. He'd be like, I've got this really good idea. I've got two ears. I buy three of them. <laughs> no, as soon as he says, I've got this really good idea, someone says, put a lawnmower 3.0 in his mouth. Yeah. Get that on the tongue. Yeah. Ah, uh, well, that that got a bit uh, bit dark in a hurry. I know, right? I'm going to have to put my pants back on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to fight. <laughs> 
I, I threw them away at some stage. Oh, nice. The the thunder and the lightning got me all excited. I went, oh, pants off. That's the loudest thunder I have heard on the podcast. Yeah, yeah that, that was a pretty solid one. Yeah. So it's uh, it's good to get a bit of a bit of change in weather here from either stinking hot or miserable cold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was just a, it was a bit of both. Yeah, it's nice. Ah, uh, Melbourne. Anywho, <laughs> wrapping on now. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll catch you all next time.